What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In my experience, having tried to dive into this, I haven't found something particularly good or particularly bad that doesn't have a mirror. Mm. And everything I see is just in my, from my eyes and brain, the same on both sides, just starting with different values or a different understanding of reality. Yeah. Cheers. Here we are. What's up, dude? Not too much. What you got? So Amazon's taking over the world. Do you okay. see Amazon Pharmacy? No. Yeah. So Hims came out, was a big company at one point because they had figured out that people didn't want to go to CVS for things like hair loss and Viagra mm -hmm. and herpes medicine. And so they said, we will ship this to your house. Mm -hmm. So you just have to get a prescription from our doctors online. And Amazon said, oh, that's cool. What if we did that for everything? And so you can just send your prescription to Amazon for any prescription drug and they'll get it to you two days later. Interesting. You will. Their goal is that you will never bang your credit card without it going through them. Wow. You want to buy a car? Amazon. <laughs> Do you want to know something else crazy that uh, just stocks? Amazon. Yeah. So Guitar <laughs> Center went out of business. Uh, they're they filed for bankruptcy. Chapter 11. So not out of business. They're like restructuring. restructuring. But uh, 2020 was like a high watermark for Fender selling guitars, meaning <laughs> that people are, they bought a ton of guitars because mm -hmm. we had this coronavirus thing and people were like, what am I going to do? But none of them from the store. Yep. It, every store that used to be a massive thing is just disappearing now. Yeah, it yeah. is incredible. So they're going to knock out all the pharmacies mm -hmm. now. Now they're, now they're going to come for CVS and Walgreens and they're just going to. For everything in CVS, by the way, you want a knee brace, mm -hmm. you want food, you want a prescription. Amazon. That's what they do. They bought Whole Foods. They, they want nothing in person to be not on their website. It's fascinating. CVS will cling for a little while because I think most of the times that I go to CVS, it's not because I need a prescription. It's because I want something right now. Yeah. You know? Well, dude, um, they're, they're already at the point where they can get you food within two hours, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they've got, man. It's like, okay, I'm going to go to CVS. The round trip is going to take me about 45 minutes to an hour, right? Like mm -hmm. I could just not spend any time, wait one extra hour, and Amazon will be at my door with all the same stuff. That's freaking crazy. Yeah. So I, I told you, I wanted to have this guy. We'll see if we can get him on. Um, 
I was watching him. His name is Vosh. He's a Twitch streamer. He's a socialist, uh, like diehard. A lot of people okay. use socialist as an insult these days, but he 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 absolutely means it and is, is sincere. Um, but I didn't watch a ton of his stuff, but he was talking about worker co-ops and the, that when you join an organization, he would like there to be laws in the future that it would be worker owned uh, with the exception of smaller businesses like YouTube channels or uh, musicians or athletes or something where so much of the value is driven by one person. Right. I was like, okay, I could see this and I'd love to discuss it. But then I thought about Amazon and yeah. I'm like, they're a trillion dollar organization. And I think you could make the argument that Jeff Bezos is responsible for 20% of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. no, like the, removing him no, just Jeff, takes that Jeff out. Jeff owns some minority of Amazon at this yes. point, right? He definitely is disproportionately driving the value there. They're yeah. going to build spaceships, and that's all Jeff Bezos. Yes. Uh, so that's a. I don't know what his position on that would be. Hopefully, we can we can no, find him and track him down him. for a conversation. But no, I, I was I was just thinking this guy is he is not a, a replaceable CEO. Yes. Y- you can't just get rid of him because as soon as you get rid of him, Amazon is an e-commerce store. Or twenty years ago, it was a bookstore. Like. No, exactly. If now you, it's a say, food store, a space station. It's an everything. Yeah, people wouldn't, people wouldn't, that's not a natural leap. If you just look at Apple, when mm-hmm. it has Steve Jobs and when it doesn't, we've seen that experiment twice. Yeah. It makes a big difference. No, there's there's this weird concept that uh, the people who have wealth just fell into it and don't deserve it. And mm-hmm. I think there's arguments to be made for wealth redistribution. Yeah. But it's also pretty crazy to me when people say that Jeff Bezos doesn't deserve that Contribute, money yeah. Because... There's, there's two He's arguments. He's changed the world. <laughs> you're, you're totally right. There's there's two arguments. One is that our contract system is messed up and it doesn't reward people proportionate to their contributions. Which I agree with. Which is, I totally agree with. There's problems with contracts where, I mean, you can sign a contract. We've had friends like signing a 50-50 contract at the beginning of a business. One of them, for whatever reason, can no longer help the business but owns 50% and just that's their 50%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they so get the to keep it. Says. The other guy keeps running it, like has yeah. contributed far more. Contract says 50. It's messed up and, and it shouldn't be that way. There's other times where Steve Jobs actually was way more valuable than whatever equity he owned in Amazon or in uh, Apple because yeah. it was going to go bankrupt. Yeah. And instead it became the biggest company in the world. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, Steve Jobs should have gotten like half of that. <laughs> like, like half the wealth created with that jump from almost bankrupt to biggest in the world should have gone to Steve. Well, this is the second argument, which is, Yes, you contributed that much, but as a society, we're going to put a cap on how much money you can have because we recognize you did it. You know, like you are irreplaceable and the market would give you that much value in in a world with perfect contracting, accounting for perfect value creation. But there are people that are starving Mm -hmm. and we're going to take some of your billions and give it to them, not because it isn't yours by value creation just because we as a society are going to do that. I'm not opposed to wealth redistribution. Mm -hmm. I just notice a pattern, which is the people calling for the most extreme versions of it Mm -hmm. have no wealth, Mm -hmm. have created very little of value, and have never tried to manage an organization or build a team. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's very easy when you haven't done that to go, these people haven't done anything and they don't Mm -hmm. deserve it and this Mm -hmm. and that. And it's like, you have never done this. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? The person I find most compelling is Warren Buffett who has all the money in the world mm-hmm. and says, we should have a wealth tax, just yep. 1% wealth tax across the board. I go, mm-hmm. This is a very compelling argument because yep. what you're suggesting is going to involve you paying more money <laughs> than almost anyone on the planet. Yeah. But when I see someone who makes 70 grand a year, who's like, we should tax the shit out of everyone who makes over 200 grand a year. Yeah. And it's like, well, why don't you just start giving money so that kids in Africa can solve their internal worm issue that keeps mm-hmm. them out of school? Mm-hmm. It's 10 cents per person. 
Like, yeah, that it's just, it's so easy to go. Everyone who makes more than me should give more. Yes. No, there's, I think mixing up those two arguments is what frustrates me sometimes about the redistribution argument. So uh, AOC had a tweet the other day that was, when we say tax the rich, oh, I'm losing my microphone, by the way. <laughs> How do I get this? This is a new stand, by the way. Uh, when I say, when we say tax the rich, what we mean is like billions, the richest, there's like 10 of them. And, and you should all be cool with that. And I go, wait a second, which argument are you making? Because you haven't convinced me that they didn't create that much value. You're just saying there's not a lot of them and therefore we should team up, yeah, which, yeah, yeah, which exactly. is an argument, which is an argument that I would find compelling. Like, hey, they have so much and yes, they've created that much value, but as a society, we need a floor higher than the current one and a ceiling lower than the current one. But there's not a lot of them. Well, she's a pol she's a politician and she's actually, I would say, a good politician when it comes to like rallying people. I don't mm -hmm. know anything about her policies. And I think literally what she's saying is like, only 10 people should oppose this. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say it. I'm going to tweet it because it gets me populist popularity. Yes. And this is the problem with democracy is minority rights. Because <laughs> yeah. as soon as you're like, hey, why don't we just take this group's stuff and this group could be rich people. It could be this ethnic group. Yeah. And there's more of us and we'll just vote <laughs> that we could take yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, there's a problem with that. Sure. So anyway, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that we're at all characterizing Vosch's arguments in, in their fullness. No, no, it was him. just it just not started. These me. are actually arguments I just hear from. Sure people just random people the um, other thing i think is interesting is the billionaire hate is so strong that you'll see things like i saw bernie sanders tweeted and he said something like this company that's laid off x amount of people since march 10th the founder's wealth has gone up mm -hmm. by let's say 20 billion dollars and if you just do that from jan 1st the founder's down like 10 billion dollars yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> so it's like okay so just to be clear like you've picked two arbitrary dates but mm -hmm. i could paint this picture in the exact opposite way. And it's it's very clear that you picked the lowest date from his the, the stock went to, to today. You know what I mean? You mm -hmm. didn't pick based on having a principle of what this should be. You just went, how can I make this guy look as bad as possible? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think what I, if when I have these conversations in the future, if I have the time, I think the best way to start with these policy discussions is with a philosophy discussion. Yeah. That's what I was trying to do with Jordan Belfort. Yeah. We were talking about socialism or not or this and that. I was like, well, let's just start with base things, which that the same reason that you're successful is your parents and your genetics. And the same reason a homeless person is homeless mm -hmm. is their parents and their genetics. So like you can decide to help them or not, but let's just agree. It's not necessarily something that is just about a choice of laziness well, you this know what was, I, mean? I was like let's just start with that principle and i oh i couldn't we kept going straight to policy i was like no 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 forget policies forget because we're never going to converge on policy no, if we exactly. can't set a foundation he, he really of philosophy. To to policy. I was like no wait back, back we one, didn't have back a lot one. of time we didn't have a lot of time and know, yeah we were on the clock and free will is such a foundational piece of it and what a large argument to have with someone that has never encountered the idea that free will may not exist that it's just because it maybe seems he has but just disagrees with us on it and so i was just trying to establish you, you know, know just mentioned lazy I'll be honest, I've never met a single person that has read Free Will by Sam Harris and disagrees with it. Like, I've only met people yeah, yeah. that have not well, encountered me, that idea. Except people like begrudgingly agree with it for every other person. <laughs> yeah, that will just hold cognitive myself. dissonance yeah, yeah. in their head. Yeah. No, no, see, he's, it's, got, it's a good argument. It's yes. a good, I don't like it, but I'm like, I have nothing to counter this. Yes. Um, but in any event, it, that, that starting from the foundation of like, what, what do we want our society to be Doing? What, are, what are the philosophical aims of the collective? Do do are Can we in fact live separate from one another such that a libertarian society is even reflective of the way that humans interact with one another? Um, should I take this from her? That's up to you. I just feel like it's going to pop on the uh, on the thinger, hmm. the mic. Our new guest today is my dog. <laughs> we had Jordan Belfort last week. 
This week we have summer. Um, but in any event, so the other thing, tech platforms, this is a hard pivot. Oh, really? I got a soft pivot. Okay, about, go soft. About AOC. Sure. Not, not to bash on her. <laughs> she had a tweet. She said, things were bad for me, so they should stay bad for everyone else is not a good argument against debt cancellation, student, medical, or otherwise. Hashtag cancel student debt. And yeah. I thought that was just such a mischaracterization of the reason why people don't think you should cancel student yeah. debt. It's like everyone who thinks that we should not cancel student debt is saying things are bad for me, so they should stay bad. It's like, no, like and she put it in quotes. It's like, this isn't the counter argument to why you shouldn't cancel student debt. The reason is because if you're going to use billions or trillions of dollars for the good of the United States, this is not the most effective way to do it. Mm -hmm. It's just what sounds good and gets you people's votes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And it's not just her. It's, it's I've seen this nonstop. People almost never engage with the strongest form of the opposing argument yeah. ever. It's crazy. They're just not interested. What they want is, <laughs> it's like, oh, Republicans, uh, I think that Donald Trump should be emperor forever. Or it's yeah, Democrats yeah, yeah. like, oh, let's shut down all businesses till the end of time. Yeah. It's just, it's not... I, I almost never hear anyone sincerely engage with the strongest version of a belief opposing theirs that they could find. And it's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was my only thought. I was like, no, I don't know anyone whose argument for not canceling student debt is I had to pay my student debt, so you should too. Mm -hmm. It's if the government's going to intervene with trillions of dollars, this is a very arbitrary, silly way to do it. Yeah. Right? Well, let's talk student debt. I think it's an interesting idea. My, I was, it was a tongue-in-cheek tweet. I forget from who, but it might have been Ben Shapiro. Uh, he was like, my solution to canceling student debt is to demand that colleges offer refunds. And that, I was like, <laughs> obviously it's not real, but I like the sentiment behind it, which is sure. if you're unsatisfied with your purchase at the end of this, you should get your money back, which is what, many other businesses <laughs> have to do what now Charisma university now does. of course there's a lot of upfront costs and it wouldn't practically work yeah. but i think if you were to cancel student debt you would only accelerate what is already happening which is the increasing cost of college and the decreasing value and utility that it provides and i don't just mean economic when it's completely divorced from the way that the world outside of it works and i was a prime experiencer of mm -hmm. this I went in, took out a load of debt, bigger than I could handle. My parents had to, like, literally I couldn't take more <laughs> to go through and get a philosophy degree, which I really enjoyed, and then a business degree, which was really fun to drink to on Monday yeah. through Saturday night. And uh, if you had canceled that debt, I would have continued to live in this fantasy world of never, of just, I was, a you know, things happened to me and you forced me in here, and it was only through the really crappy experience of trying to get jobs that I hated and then working in jobs that I hated and scrounging up enough to start a business that, uh, I don't know, that, that <laughs> good things started to happen sure. in terms of the way that I was approaching the world because I was now dealing with it as it is and not with bumpers. Um, no, and I actually think there's, a, there's an argument to be made that every state should have one free college, mm -hmm. let's say. That's that's a state school, not a community college. And you're like, okay, going forward, we want to make education. Education is important, and we want to make well, it free. Can I catch you right now? Sure. This is what colleges have done: is they have the most ridiculously powerful marketing campaign, which is they've conflated what they do with education. No, no, I agree. And it's just I can't believe they have ownership over that word. Like Google, Khan Academy, yeah, yeah, like mentors, they're all out there. But I, education is free. So go, so go ahead. Okay, if they want to make college degrees free, let's say. College degrees. <laughs> I think, I think you, that's a separate argument. But the idea to retroactively cancel debt 
just seems so crazy to me because there's people who chose not to take it on and like maybe they wanted to be writers but instead they became carpenters mm -hmm. and to penalize that person seems like a very very odd system yeah uh, and also to say that the person that is the most in need is anyone with college debt is also crazy to me like mm -hmm. we have two trillion dollars we're gonna make the world a better place so what I'm going to do is no matter what your income is, no matter what your family background is, if you have student debt, I'm going to pay it off for you. Let's let's just assume that it's um, let's give the strongest version of this argument that it's not rich families. It's people. Well, that's the thing. That's not it would canceled. be like like I was, quite frankly, which is I had over one hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. I didn't my parents could not help me with it. Mm -hmm. And I was saddled with a bill of a thousand dollars a month, twelve hundred dollars a month for 10 years. And was. was making mid I started um, five at, figures. I started as a consultant. Well, no, and I was a probably even maybe above it. I well, started at sixty k. I would exclude you mm -hmm. for that reason. Sure, you would not be so cancel. So you also, know what I would have done then? I would have looked for a job that paid me forty k. This is because this is why the I amount that I made after idea. taxes. This is why I think it's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, if you have two trillion dollars, you're going to ignore the homeless. You're going to ignore uh, people who have PTSD from wars. But you're going to go to the guy who's in investment banking that makes two hundred grand a year and has student debt. That's how you're going to spend $200,000 to make the world a better place because he has $200,000 of loans because he went to Wharton Business School or mm -hmm. Stanford. I'm just like, we this this cannot possibly be the most efficient way to make America better. Mm -hmm. 200 grand for one person who already has a six-figure job. Yeah. I also, I mean, I think that um, what I would like to do is with us is, is we do have, we have free educational videos. Now, they're about charisma and hopefully they help people's lives. Mm -hmm. They may or may not impact your bottom line intake, but I love what Sal Khan is doing. I love people that are disrupting this argument without engaging in let's redistribute money or let's vote for it. It's like, mm -hmm. can we just get people powerful information and education for free? Oh, I forget or his for name. for very low cost. There's, the, there's an MIT physics professor who is probably the best physics professor in the world. And he gives his lectures online for free. Mm -hmm. It's like, even if I'm at University of Pennsylvania and I'm taking physics, it's still going to be worse than this guy. Yeah. And his stuff's on YouTube for free. Yeah. I would love to see, and and this might be a, a take that a lot of people don't like, but having gone through the college system and enjoyed my time there, I really enjoyed studying philosophy. Uh, people always go, but didn't you have a great time? Didn't you learn a lot? And the answer is yes, but it wasn't worth $120,000 mm. and four years. Like it, it had a cost that was associated that was... It was five years, actually, because um, I, I went to one year of grad school. But I really want to see a lot of colleges go out of business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I think that we can't prop them up. And it's we act like we're propping up the students. What we're propping up is this ridiculous system of everyone in your life. There's, there's an excellent article written by the last psychiatrist where he talks about what a college education is. It's for the first 17 years of your life, everyone tells you you have to have one. You're nobody if you don't have them. You're not smart. You're not going to make it. So these young, impressionable kids go, and then they go, and they tell you you can study whatever you want when you're in there. You know, you pick your degree as long as you're fascinated by it. And then you graduate, and you go, okay, <laughs> you know, time to pay. And the kids can't. And so the colleges now, they can't collect on their debt, and we bail them out by giving the kids money, which immediately goes to the college. It's like, how much money does that kid get? None. He just gets his debt canceled. Mm -hmm. Uh so I, yeah, I, I really would like to see these colleges go out of business. I'd like to see them dip into their endowments for debt forgiveness for their worst off students. Um, I dislike them tremendously. And I'm sure that there's room for some to remain. But the mm -hmm. bloat is is because we have a propaganda machine and a federal, quite frankly, the well, federal you, you government could, made it so easy for me to take out 8% loans. I was going to say, you could just, no if, you effort. Wanna, if you want to do debt forgiveness, mm -hmm. uh, why not just change the rule that says you can't go bankrupt on student debt? 
and let mm-hmm. people do the math on what I rather yeah. a personal bankruptcy, which by the way, the only penalty is it makes it harder to get credit in the future. So, okay, you're a person who can't afford your student loans. This means you can't afford to get a mortgage. You're going to yeah. have to rent. I rent. It's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, in exchange, you get to go bankrupt and you get to like any other person with any other business purchase or mm-hmm. any other car purchase say, I'm, I don't have the money to pay you back. And then the universities might be on the hook for going, oh, wow, I let a bunch of people with no money yeah. say they would owe me $100,000. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's uh, people don't know this necessarily. I mean, if you're in it, you know it, that you can basically bankrupt your way out of any sort of debt. I mean, Chapter 11 restructuring, that's what's happening right now with Guitar Center. Hey, yeah, we yeah. can't pay it back. How about we give you 40 cents on the dollar? Okay, we'll take it doesn't happen with student loans they go after your next your next kin they go after they it follows if you die they go to your mom and your dad it's a racket and it's, it's one of the only it's pieces of debt one of the this. only things if you just that, tra- if you just treated it like a business loan banks would be much much more hesitant to give oh, every kid $120,000 regardless of grades or major and and then the colleges would have to adjust their prices because you wouldn't be able to charge every person uh, an exorbitant it, amount of money Yes, it's it's awful. And I'll just so I didn't know a lot about percentages and loans and anything like that. One, they make it super smooth. But the loans that I got were at 8% and 6.25%. Now, if you know, you know about investing, 8% is the average yearly return of the S&P 500. Oh, I think higher. Or is it? I think that's higher. You think 8% is higher? Yeah. I thought 8% was okay. The point is guaranteed debt that follows you at that that's unreal. Yeah, yeah. What if I mean I would th- I would take that every day. You're going to you're going to guarantee me 8%. By the way, I think 8%? it's illegal for me to issue. That. I can't give Justin a loan and say by the way the only thing you have to do is sign that if you die or you don't <laughs> have any money it goes to your parents. If they die it goes to your grandparents. Only if all of your relatives are dead do you get out of this. I think the government would say that that's not a term I can put into a loan. Yeah, I'm so not, like, I, I don't can't know. charge this 8%. I don't know. Um but yeah, it was 8 and 6.25% were the loans that I had. I mean that's that is incredible. Yeah. And I didn't know. I'm like just a dumb kid. And don't worry, we won't start uh, collecting until you get a job. You know, <laughs> thanks, guys. But in any event, so that's that's college tech platforms. Is there anything else that you wanted to say on the debt college? No, side? no. I guess the only thing I was thinking is it's interesting how there are potentially like nuanced solutions to all this. But the only one that is is gaining traction is cancel all students. It won't happen is the other thing. I mean, we're talking about it as an idea, but there's there's approximately zero percent chance that that ha- that it happens. Uh, so it's it's interesting to discuss. There's no chance that it happens. And just for everybody out there that might be disagreeing, I really am pro uh, free education. But I think that the way that colleges, the model is run is that it's it's actually rather weak education mm-hmm. and it's absolutely not free. And we're just encouraging the price of it to go up for a crappier product. We can do way better with the technology that exists today. Yeah. And I'm pro helping people. I just think that canceling all student debt is a very inefficient way mm-hmm. to help people. Yep. So big tech, speaking of other ways to get education out there, uh, the censorship has gotten worse. And I know that that sounds stupid. But I remember when Alex Jones got deplatformed a couple years back, there was this sense of, because I didn't really know anything about him. I was like, oh, he's that crazy guy that he, you know, says the fr- turn the frogs gay. Yeah, yeah. Like he probably did something absolutely deserving of it. This is a one-off thing and we've got to get rid of him. 
Uh, and sure, and like, you know, slippery slope is a logical fallacy because you can't guarantee that it's a slippery slope. There, all the time, people will do one move and then not take the subsequent next ones. Well, it's not been the case. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it turns out it was a slippery slope. They, I mean, so I saw Candace Owens had a number of videos removed uh, for breaking the terms and all this kind of stuff. And I, and I, we've spoken in the past about the right of private companies to enforce private rules. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's very evident that YouTube is behaving not like a platform, mm -hmm. but like a a private company that is that is curating content on sure. their thing. Yeah, I'd probably say argument. Which just means y'all ought to get sued for every copyright infringement because you're you're taking ownership of the content on the platform. Mm -hmm. So every time that somebody breaches copyright, they should come after you. Every time that somebody posts a beheading video and somebody sees it that shouldn't see it, they should come after you. Uh, but they don't. They they continue to hide behind the platform status with aggressive, and I, even aggressive isn't necessary, with control over what content is up, and it's it's getting uh, more and more paper thin. Did something happen recently? Uh, I just saw that they that they were they've been having these meetings where Jack Dorsey is being uh, this speaking to actually Ted Cruz looks sharp in these. I didn't realize. I think he's a lawyer, um, but he's, right. yeah, he's talking to Jack Dorsey about their stuff and how come you put. Uh, this is disputed, but not this is disputed on these particular tweets. Um, and it's it's interesting to watch because I do think that it's the case that, again, you take both sides in America when it is uh, a religious bakery that won't make a cake for a gay marriage. Republicans and the right are very much in defense of the their ability to do business with who they want. Mm -hmm. And when you flip it, on the other side, and of course, there's the complication of the platform versus non-platform status. Uh, all of a sudden, they want government to come in. So I think there's, I do think that there's some logical inconsistencies. And what I generally see is that people are pro-censorship of the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're really into, uh, they can find all the good reasons why it's okay to silence people who disagree with them. Well, you them. saw this with executive orders. Mm -hmm. Obama does a bunch of executive orders. People who are Republican think it's awful and abuse of power. Yeah. People who agree with his executive orders think it's great. And that the gerrymandering that's happening to prevent him from accomplishing what he wants is a travesty. And Trump comes in. <laughs> He's doing thing. executive orders. Republicans love it, think it's the best thing ever because he doesn't have to go through a stupid system. And Democrats think it's a horrible abuse of power and authoritarian. It's mm -hmm. like, well, can you guys just pick one and then stay there regardless of who's president? Because yeah. like either of these positions is valid. But when you do what you're doing, you don't it, it just all it means is I should ignore you completely. Like yeah. your argument should not be used to figure out the rules. Yeah, because you're not trying to make a principled rule. So yeah, I see it. I mean, you see it with what companies should do, but you also just see it with what presidents should do. I've just, I've been, it's, it's, this is, I guess, why the government exists because what you have on the one hand, it's, it's people with two very different worldviews. Let's, I think that the reason that Candace may have been, had one of her videos taken down is because of, it was a transgender video and let's just, I don't know, but they, it was taken down for hate speech. Hmm. So let's assume that it uh, misgendered a trans person just for the sake of argument. In the worldview of Candace Owens and that type, I'm not saying her necessarily, but if this was the case, there are people certainly like Ben Shapiro who feel this. They are just saying the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, they are saying this is what this person is and what they state about themselves doesn't matter. So I should be like, you're going to top me from saying the truth. You go to the other side, their worldview is you are committing violence and this person is going to be statistically more likely to commit suicide because of the hateful things that you are saying and therefore need to be silenced. And it's like, 
how do you adjudicate <laughs> between these two worldviews? And it seems like the only way to do it is with a super powerful third party, which would be the government mm -hmm. that was simultaneously more powerful than both of those, but also more hands off. Because as soon as it starts taking sides and picking sides, then you get into problems. Um, so I don't, I don't, I was just, uh, have an answer or anything like that, but was watching the tech giants speak to the government and uh, it made me have a respect for the role that the government plays because I think that sometimes we can all get down on big government that controls us. But it it absolutely does stand there against a bulwark against other private powerful forces mm -hmm. that left to their own devices will just make sure that their worldview prevails because they think it's the right one. Mm -hmm. um, so nothing, no takeaway there. Just it, censorship is accelerating. It's increasing. Uh, and the people who are doing it think that it's what's best for the world. Yeah. If they're, they're not, if they're not evil. <laughs> well, it's also interesting because in a, in a pre-internet world, you, you struggle to have a private corporation that was particularly globally powerful, right? Mm -hmm. You might have a few, but the idea of small government is much easier to get behind and manage when what they're competing against is villages, towns, local businesses, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But if you have only, let's say only state governments, no federal government at all, the most powerful entity will not be the state government. It will be the global gigantic company that has control of everything that you see and hear. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I tend to skew towards uh, when you get when you get big into the government, there's a lot of bureaucracy. There's a lot of waste. Like they might do something you disagree with that wastes trillions of dollars. But we are reaching the point where it's like, well, someone has to keep in check the trillion dollar mm -hmm. company. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it can no longer be my mayor yeah. of my city protecting me against Twitter censorship because otherwise Twitter will absolutely decide what the news is. I mean, the news is a private company. And the news will decide what the news is. Mm -hmm. Like it's weird. We have. With globalization and the internet and all this stuff, you're you're reaching these companies are so big that without a federal government that's also powerful, mm -hmm. they'll just run the country. So we've kind of lost the ability for local rulership, I think. It's, now, it's now just like these giant powers fighting each other for <laughs> what they think is right. And yeah, because they really do. I, Naval Ravikant says, these these people, you, you think they're programming the algorithm. They're programming your mind. And we've both had experiences recently where we talk to family members and they're indistinguishable from the news channel that they watch. Mm -hmm. The things that they say, I mean, we've talked about this. I've heard people use words that I've never heard them use in their life. Tyrant, never heard you say that word. Yeah, yeah. That's not your word. That's somebody else who is just speaking through your mouth. Uh, and they have the power to program people's minds. And I think one of the most brilliant things that is in the US Constitution is the idea of checks and balances, which is how do you deal with power because you can't ensure that that power will always be benevolent. Mm -hmm. Well, the only thing that you really can do is, is make sure that there's another tough guy and distributed power sources sure. so that nobody can go so crazy. Except, And the only problem is then in times of chaos and strife, you kind of need one super decisive, powerful thing to like, this is what happened with um, Civil War. Now, you, you might disagree with what Lincoln did, but he suspended habeas corpus. He, he shut down all dissent and tried to win the Civil War. Mm. Uh, FDR expanded the role of, of the federal government in order to get involved in, in World War II. So it's like uh, times of chaos, you got to kind of just, it seems like you trust on the benevolence of one super strong guy and like hope that he pulls it yeah, out. Yeah. But in times of stability, you really do need uh, distributed power in order to, for things not to go crazy. Yeah. 
Um, so I, th I, thought, I think about that with our business sometimes. And like you and I are uniquely powerful mm. in the business. So we could make dumb decisions that are not in everybody's interest. Uh, and it would look very much, you know, we would feel just like Jack Dorsey feels when he mm -hmm. puts those tags on on uh, Twitter tweets. So I, I think that we've talked about this, finding a way to uh, abdicate some of our power, George Washington style, very noble, <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, is a good thing to do. Sure. Um, and, and it's not just something where you give the trappings of power to people. You're like, tell me what you think and I'll make the final decision. It's like, no, you have to actually give up your right to make the final decision in some cases. So, Well, I mean, to some degree, that's what a board of directors is supposed to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're a public company. You're, well, you're supposed to get a board that's not an echo chamber. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like if you're running a, I was working in private equity. We had a board for, let's say, an insurance company. It wouldn't be all insurance people from the same state. It'd be a private equity guy, a guy from a pharmaceutical company, a guy from an insurance company, a guy from an insurance services company. And so ideally, they're like hive minding your biggest decisions, or at least they have the right to veto or fire your CEO if he goes off the rails. Yeah. I think that's what the board directors is intended to do at the corporate level. And the, the only risk is if you get an echo chamber of a board of directors. And I mean, all the stories that I hear about board of directors are, I guess the other thing that you can't do, it's not just a distribution of power. It's, I guess you gotta hope that like the values or a system for making sure that the values of those different power structures are solid mm -hmm. because you hear so many stories about the boards where they're just making these awful short-term decisions removing people there's public board of directors and private board of directors uh. public board of directors their allegedly fiduciary responsibility is to shareholders mm -hmm. uh, and they can sometimes i think get confused between long-term value for shareholders and short-term value for shareholders the board of directors at a private company also should report to the owners the shareholders but because it's not public the idea of quarterly ups and downs don't matter as much so you should get a board that's more focused on your five-year exit plan interesting which is to say i think incentives make more sense in private companies because in public companies there can be this idea of like well we said our quarterly estimate was this at the start of january and mm -hmm. if we don't hit it in march our shares will plummet and so we have to hit it at all costs and it's like well even if it means mortgaging the future for two years from now they're like yeah we'll figure that out in two yeah. years as I think through it, it seems like another thing that really makes distribution of power work is a shared value base, which unfortunately seems, I, don't, I think we have in America, but we're unaware of it, weirdly enough. Like, I think most people want most people to live solid, happy lives. Mm -hmm. And the person who is a socialist, many of them want that, just like the person who is the capitalist, many of them want that. But we've come to believe that we don't have shared values. Mm. Yep. Uh, because I'm just thinking, could could you know? Could well, you? This is the problem with the us versus them other side. That's my number one. My number one thing that I do in political conversations is if someone says the Democrats are, and then a negative thing, or the Republicans are, and then a negative thing, that creates like an other. Hmm. I just say, hold on, whatever you're saying, there's a mirror version of it for yourself. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like if you're saying they're racist, maybe it's not that you're racist, but you're biased in some way or bigot in some way. And if you don't think you are, I promise you, there's a moderately conservative person who's not a racist on the other side. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And if you switch it with the liberals, it's the same thing. It's, it's I'm not saying one side's better or worse. I'm actually saying the exact opposite, which is if, if ever I hear someone who tries to other the other side and make them different and distinctly bad, that's like my number one pet peeve in political conversation. Well, this was this was the very this brings me to cognitive dissonance, which 
a lot of the comments we received in there is like, oh, you're talking about conservatives or, oh, you're talking about liberals. And it was just so funny to watch <laughs> to watch people certain at the end of the video, if you haven't seen it, I did a video on cognitive dissonance. And really the point that I wanted to make was the last point, which is here's examples of people potentially experiencing cognitive dissonance. I can't read their mind, but these are some of the signs and mm -hmm. it seemed to be what was happening in the conversation. But that's one thing. You're going to talk to people that are stubborn all the time, but you, far more often you're going to be that stubborn person yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. is unwilling to move. And it's going to be to your detriment and the world's detriment and the conversation's detriment. So weirdly enough, this is the one that you have the most control over. Mm -hmm. Like, can you break through somebody else's? Maybe, maybe not. But if you could slow down, you could you could just mostly eliminate your struggles with cognitive dissonance. Yeah. But so few of the comments were turned inward and yeah. so many were turned outward, which was, I think that's to be expected, but. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's also interesting. You see in politics often, so like there's, there's the far right and the far left, right? And for every uh, alt-right militia member, there's a alt-left militia member. But most of the time, what you have is like fairly moderate liberals pretending that the entire right side of the political sphere is a militia member mm -hmm. and fairly moderate Republicans saying that the entire part of the left is an alt-left militia member. Yeah. And that's where I think the big disconnect or confusion or mistake is occurring in today's politics. It's like there's many, many more people in the middle. But what they struggle to say is like, I'm a thoughtful person who wants what's best for the country and I have different values than people, but like largely I'm a good person. And that's also true of my mirror image on the other side of the political spectrum. Yeah. And instead you get like smart, educated people on one side saying the other side is morons because I saw a tweet that was moronic. Yeah. It's like someone on your side tweeted something moronic too. It's a bell curve and there's morons on both sides. So yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that I really am struggling when I talk to people about politics to get across convincingly. Like I, I, I that's the number one thing I try to do. And I get so much pushback mm -hmm. where it's so hard to recognize, like for every crazy tweet you think the other side is ridiculous for mm -hmm. your side has it, too. And they think that's you. And like, really, there's just a calm person who's just as smart as you on the other side who happens to be born to a different state, raised a different way. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm very ineffective at getting that across to people when they're talking about politics. Yeah, it's tough to break through. It, um, the, the difficult thing, I guess, with all this cognitive dissonance stuff is that it, is, it runs through every human heart, is, is I think the, the problem. It's why I, I try in these conversations, and I think you do too, to encourage that person rather than saying what's wrong with the other side. Can you just reflect on yourself can you find any ways that you might be mistaken because mm -hmm. you're convinced that in their watching of cnn or fox news they've been poisoned is it possible because like step into their perspective they don't think they're poisoned they watch this news channel all the time like is there anyone else that that's true of that is here that <laughs> that, that is familiar? sure that they're right that is completely certain of it and watches a lot of news is there anyone in the room that is like that and then you know oh, i watch both sides you know <laughs> they come come with that but it's, yeah, I, I, I think I was going to lay it at the feet of the news stations and say it's their fault, but it's actually not because they're just thriving evolutionarily in a world where the human brain is what the human brain mm -hmm. is. And what the human brain is, is it wants an enemy, is it wants, yeah, it, wants uh, another. it wants an other. And what's not interesting is a reasonable argument mm -hmm. that makes you uncomfortable. Get that out of there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not changing my mind. What you want is the slam dunk, 
dumb opposing because that is so satisfying. And then the news stations, all they do is satisfy what you're demanding. Yeah. Like they're not forcing that on you is, is what I've had to realize because there's, I'm, there's been plenty and there are YouTube channels and there are thoughtful places in the world that nobody wants to come to or mm -hmm. attend because it doesn't satisfy that, that Coliseum bloodlust yeah, yeah. <laughs> to watch the other guy get impaled. Uh, so yeah, it's not the news station's fault. It's, it's each individual's unthinking bias to to kill the other well i think i, I think i've told you this because i i'm finding it so ineffective in those kind of conversations or in the conversations where we try to explain to people what we think today's slavery is is mm -hmm. i'm just going to try to go fully socratic so mm -hmm. i'm just going to be like okay so let's assume that's true of the right do you think there's someone instead of being because what i'll do is i'll just say if that's true of the right it's true of the left I'll be like do you think what do you i'm just going to try to do nothing but ask questions yeah because um, again, yeah, we get so much pushback when we say today's slavery is blank. But I think it would be much more effective if we went, okay, do you think that in slavery times, some people thought slavery was okay because it's how they grew up? Mm -hmm. Yes. Do you think that today there could be a thing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. like that's, I mean, honestly, that's how I came to the conclusion of my hypothesis for what today's slavery is. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that someone told me what it was. It's that I watched 12 years of slave and then you were like, let's talk about what it is today mm -hmm. so yeah i'm gonna try did you, to did you explain that this time just just to catch people up the um I, I think you were talking about it but just in case anyone didn't understand exactly what you're saying we watched 12 years a slave and there are characters in there benedict cumberdatch who, who are who is like a good dude but has slaves mm -hmm. and you watch and you're like wow thank god that's not me you know <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then and you go wait a second he didn't realize that he was participating in an evil thing because it was just the water in which he existed. Everyone so, had slaves. Of course, slavery is okay. So I'm trying to be the best slave owner I can be. Yep. That's morality. Yes. And what morality in hindsight was, was not having slaves, right? Well, or is it, or do we misunderstand morality? But then the question that we ask are, if slavery was an institution today, mm -hmm. how, where would I stand on it? And go, okay, am I, am I standing up and shouting in the streets for anything have i have i taken a hard stand against any sort of cultural norm mm -hmm. like hard stand that gets me ostracized and makes people throw or bricks involves, through my windows involves great personal sacrifice let's yeah. say you you admire the person in slave owning times who paid his workers mm -hmm. and made less money for himself but he didn't have slaves and he didn't stand in the streets and tell everyone else what to mm -hmm. do but he took great personal sacrifice mm -hmm. so as not to be a slave owner mm -hmm. Do you take great personal sacrifice to do or not do anything that everyone else around you is doing and saying is okay? So this, so this that was, was the question for us that and, we asked ourselves. And just to, because sometimes when the other person is talking, what Ben is not, he's not saying that what is happening is morally equivalent in the same horribleness of, of what slavery was. What he's saying is that there is a huge moral gap in our minds somewhere that we can't see because it is just so pervasive and common and that's what it is. Sure. So how saying, would we find that? And without saying, even though everyone who's watched the podcast <laughs> knows, without saying what we think it is today, that's the question is what, if you look around, what do you think in 100 years or 200 years, people will look back on today and be ashamed mm -hmm. that their great, great, great grandparents were participating in? Certain that they would never have done themselves. Yes, were they? in 200 <laughs> years, they'll go, I would never do that. That's yes. so immoral. How could they not realize mm -hmm. that that was wrong to mm -hmm. do that? There's something today that fits that description. Maybe it's not as bad as slavery, but it fits the description. In 200 years, they'll look back and they'll go, how could they possibly have not realized that mm -hmm. that's a bad thing to do? Mm -hmm. And it was wrong, and we do not allow it in today's society of 2,220. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, that's the question. It's like, what do you think that is? So, and then are you willing to make a personal sacrifice to not be whatever today's version of a slave owner is? Yeah, maybe we can have him on. What you were talking about, Socratic, I know that there was a patron who suggested we talk to a guy who does street epistemology. He has a YouTube channel, hmm. and he's so gentle. Um, he He goes and stands, I think, oftentimes on college campuses, and he'll get Mormon missionaries who come up, he'll get just students who come up, and he'll ask them to state a belief that they have. And he goes incredibly Socratic, like, is it possible, you know, that yeah. one? And he's very friendly, he builds rapport, and he calls it street epistemology. And what's interesting is that it's rare, I've watched a handful of videos, that anyone walks away with their mind changed. Mm. But his belief is that it's kind of like loosening a screw mm. <laughs> like you know like i came and i grabbed the pickle jar or whatever and i like yeah, i put yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. grease into it and maybe the next guy who comes along i respect that can do it and it's an interesting approach to it i actually think if you were dead set on being most convincing there would be uh somewhere between that pure socratic and a little bit more uh inception a little bit more inception and a little bit more, I don't mean offensive, upsetting, but like a little bit more offense than he mm -hmm. has, I suspect would be the way to do it if you were interested in changing that particular individual's mind. But what it does as a system is it it really does keep dialogue open. And you see these Mormon missionaries who will come back several times with their friends. Uh, so it's just fascinating. And one of the things, I, I mentioned this to you earlier, is he says, if the same two missionaries come to me, we might get somewhere. You know, like if the same two boys who walked up to me and spoke to me about God and we really, they, I got them scratching their heads. But if they bring a new person into the group, we get nowhere mm. because the social pressure to mm. conform to the person who is most like the at-home society will just completely derail the conversation. Well, and there's, so yeah, we, uh, we, we realized this. We went out to lunch the other day with a group of people that work for <laughs> yeah, someone. Yeah, this is why it came up. We'll go, we'll go or not, but they, they work for someone. And we asked them, is he a good guy? What do you think of him? And no, and no one said anything negative, right? Mm -hmm. And then we did individual phone calls. And one guy went negative. Yeah. And we're like, why didn't you say this at lunch? We asked the same question. But it's because without knowing what the other people's opinions are, mm -hmm. there's a fear of being ostracized from the group. So if you get three Mormons up there and one starts to come to your side, there's a, a chance that when they return to their community, the other two will tell the community about his wavering faith and then he will suffer social consequences mm -hmm. and it's so much easier for him to just have cognitive dissonance ignore your rational arguments say that you're crazy or wrong and then go live a socially calm life than it is for him to be open to your mental exercise knowing this is going to be trouble for me down the road socially mm -hmm. so yeah there's just it's yeah, being being principled or intellectually honest is much less appealing than having a calm, unthreatening social life. Oh yeah, but all it's it, that's that's an incredibly I don't begrudge them, and I don't think you do either. They're sitting there; they're at varying levels within the organization. You know, there's one person who is oh, higher. I don't begrudge up. them. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what are you going to say? Like, you're gonna you're gonna tell your boss that you think poorly of the organization or something that it's done in front of a stranger like mm -hmm. no way uh so no i know why we got it but yeah. i just being being uh i guess naive thought, thought that you could get yeah thought because we were all friendly we had good rapport yeah, yeah. And, it's, and they're and they're like yeah i'll be honest i had i had the same thought because i often i on we did a, our podcast with jordan belfort and i asked him on the podcast 
uh, what do you think of having kids and oh, and a wife? And I often ask that question of men when we're out to lunch and they're in their 40s and they get very interesting answers. And I'm not going to ask it. I don't think ever again on the podcast yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's just a wasted question when I know that that person is speaking publicly. Yes. There's no chance, no chance that I get anything less than a kids are the greatest thing that happened to me and I totally love the woman that I'm with. And we have gotten much more nuanced answers. I've gotten that, far private. more nuanced some answers privately. Some are happy, yeah. some are not. Some say they're happy, but it took six years to love the kid. Yeah. But you're, yeah, you're never going to say that on a public podcast with guys you met an hour ago. Yes. And so I'm going to stop asking that question yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it really in is- public. In public. It's so a waste It's a waste of a podcast question. Great private question, though. The best private question. Yeah. Really, really phenomenal when it's just you and one other person that doesn't think that you're going to go get back to their, <laughs> their family or tell yeah, them yeah. what they said. Um, I got one. Yeah, go for it. We got a sponsor. Yes. Delta Trainer. So uh, congratulations to Justin. We got our first sponsor. <laughs> hey -oh. All the money goes to Justin. But So this is a, an app that I quite like that gets you personal training virtually. So for people who don't know, we turn down 95% of the sponsors we get. We never take a sponsor. But this one hit me up. It looked interesting. So I've been trying it for weeks. Basically, they send you an Apple Watch and they put you in touch with a trainer. And then you get unlimited communication with that trainer and workouts that are tailored to you and your goals. And then the person can track what you're doing with the Apple Watch, see your heart rate, things like that. And because of that, they can tailor it to whatever you want. I want to gain muscle. I want to lose fat. I want to have better heart health. And so, yeah, it gives you an accountability. And my personal experience is even though I've been working out for 15 years, I work out much harder doing what this guy tells me to do mm -hmm. than I do on my own, which means that I'm seeing results in my body. You know, for myself, I'm seeing I'm losing weight, getting more shredded. And so yeah. we can't talk as much at the gym anymore. We I go, know we go together dude. and Ben is moving the whole time. It's true. And I'm just like laying there in a half stretch. Dude, he called it out too. One day I, uh, one day halfway through the workout, I switched to what you guys were doing. And he wrote me, he said, dude, is it, was it too easy? Cause I noticed your heartbeat never got above 120 after like the first 15 minutes. I was like, nah, that's, that's not on you. That was just me flirting with my friends. Yeah. So, it, so it, it, I've seen it. I, I did it for a little bit. I just don't have fitness goals, so, but yeah. it does. It definitely does push you harder. So especially with quarantine and coronavirus, if you're someone that feels like you've fallen off a little bit in your fitness, they give you stuff with the weights that you have. It is tailored to you in that way. Yeah, that's and what's and, cool, too, is it's uh, it's fitted to what equipment you have. So I yeah. texted the guy today. I was like, hey, just, you know, I'm going home for Thanksgiving. I got some I'm stuff. I'm going to need some body weight yeah. workouts. You know what I mean? I'm not going to have a gym. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if anybody, if, the, if your health is important to you, you want to get in better shape, lose weight, gain muscle, whatever it is, you can go to charismaoncommand.com slash trainer. And the offer is you sign up, you put down a deposit for an Apple Watch. It's a hundred bucks. They send you an Apple Watch. You don't, if you already have one, you don't need it. And then you get a free month of training. If you don't like it, you can ship the Apple Watch back, get a full refund. And if you do like it, then you just keep going for, I think it's $75 a month or a hundred dollars a month, which is obviously way cheaper than a month's worth of personal mm -hmm. training would be. Sure. And you get tailored workouts, tracked workouts, accountability, and someone to talk to. Awesome. Thanks, Delta Trainer. Yeah, charismaoncommand.com slash trainer. Perfect. So we've we've hovered around this topic a lot, and I, I hate to beat it to absolute death, but whatever. <laughs> Why not? Why not? So I was I listened to Sam Harris put out a podcast on right before the on the eve of the election why he finally gets why people voted for Trump. Oh, God, I saw this. It's so bad. It's I really I like I want to start Sam. by saying I think Sam Harris is I really generally like, yeah. an intelligent guy. He's done cool stuff. His Waking Up app is cool. This is not meant to bash him. No, I'm a in huge fan. In totality. No, I'm a huge fan. But that I'm, video was bad. It was so 
lacking in empathy. Yeah. I was stunned. Uh, his video, it concludes that people vote for Trump because he is so bad and he is he represents and he just gets away with it. And, you know, he just he's so reprehensible. That's what people like about it. Is, that's it. He speaks to the the shadow and the darkness inside. Of it's just like this is so strikingly lacking in empathy from some like is it not possible that they're working from a different fact base so yeah, than Sam, you are? i'll give you one they think that nothing else matters but the fact that we legalize federally murdering babies mm -hmm. and so even though they don't like him at all they'll vote for him because he's going to make it illegal to murder babies and they think that's more important than anything okay there's one reason that they <laughs> vote for him besides being attracted to his reprehensibleness like, by the way i'm pro-choice yeah. but i'm just saying i have the ability to think to myself, what would a smart, nice person be like if they also, they have to be smart, nice, mm -hmm. and have voted for Trump? And I don't go, oh, they're attracted to what a scumbag he is. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of the, I'll see if I can get this right. It's the study where they take like a very young kid and they have a box of cereal. And so the kid's sitting across from a person, the person turns around and then they dump out the cereal box and put a bunch of like spiky stuff mm -hmm. in Nails. the box. Yeah. Nails. And the person turns around and they ask them, should that is that person going to try to eat that? And if they're very young, they will say, no, they're not going to eat the nails because there's nails in there, mm -hmm. you know. And <laughs> and what they, they that child has not yet understood is that from two different perspectives, you can have a different understanding of the facts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and only upon getting older do they realize, oh, they will try to eat that even though there's nails in there because they didn't see the nails get in there. Yeah. And I swear to God, it reminds me of the, the very young child. Who is going? Yeah, I, I, of of course, <laughs> you know yeah, they're, yeah. they 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 know that there's nails in there, and so how can I explain them chewing on nails? Well, they must love that the nails stab them in the mouth. It's like they don't they don't see the nails that you see, Sam. Yeah. Uh, no, I was disappointed because I like the title and I think he's smart, and I was excited to hear a nuanced take on it. Yeah, something uh, that I hadn't thought of. But yeah, it was uh, it's disappointing, and I, TDS is real, man. It, it, <laughs> Trump derangement syndrome. It he. It's and it's not just him. It's I like I think it's the the completely different fact bases that people can get yeah. as as offered by the internet and the polarized news thing. And the other truth is that we're living in this massively globalized world mm -hmm. where uh I mean, we all have an opinion about a guy that none of us have ever met. <laughs> right? Everyone's so certain that they know about Trump because they've heard his name a billion times, but no one how many of you have shaken his hand or well, been I mean, to the to White be, House or interacted with him in a business deal? Or, or Just to be clear, I don't think he's a good dude. Like my impression from what I've seen of him personally, what I, I even before he was president, from what I heard about him in construction, uh, you know, going bankrupt on people, I, like, I don't think he's a good dude. But I can just hold the belief that I don't think he's a good dude. But if you did vote for him, it doesn't mean that you're a moron. There might be reasons that you might have heard your different belief, stories because of your yeah. belief system and your fact set. It might make total sense to vote for him over Joe Biden, mm -hmm. even though I think that he's not necessarily a good person. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And we've we've been we've had people make videos about us. And if you watched the handful of videos that are critical of us, you might with this idea conclude, how could anyone like these people? You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. they're so obviously reprehensible. Can't you see it? And then you show somebody the video who has watched, let's say, 50 of our other videos. And they go, well, I don't believe any of this. Yeah, this they find stupid. it unconvincing. Yeah. You, But I showed it to you. You know, it's it's just different fact sets. Now, of course, there's got to be different values. And I'm sure somebody out there likes that he just does what he wants and tells everybody. And they like they they aspire to that level of don't give a fuck.
Yeah, yeah, just don't but, think it's the majority of his voters. Uh, yeah, I, it, it was disappointing. It's uh, also funny that people can imagine voting for Biden because they're anti-Trump, but not mm-hmm. voting for Trump because they're anti-Biden, which is to say, I've talked to people who are like, I can't believe you got 70 million votes. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, do you think Joe Biden is the greatest presidential candidate we've ever had? Because he got more votes than any presidential mm-hmm. candidate ever. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I, I voted for him, but I, I wasn't for him. I was anti-Trump. It's like, OK, well, do you think some of those 70 million votes are just because they think Trump's the lesser of two evils, but not because they fully endorse him as a person or a president? Yeah. Like, it's the same reason you voted for Biden. The I think we've gone this podcast and I, I try not to. Well, I don't even try not to. I don't really have. I don't care about Biden or Trump is the yeah. truth. Um, we've been critical in this particular cast of of the left leaning side. But that's only because all of our friends and family members, <laughs> this is the side that we're hearing. And what I have to remind myself is that if I had more right leaning friends, I'd probably be hearing the same yeah, level of derangement. It's my, it's my whole argument. About <laughs> my whole argument is that it's just equal, equal on both sides. Uh, well, and again, I don't, I wouldn't likely equal. Draw a false equivalency would, would be inappropriate. You do need to investigate still, but it's a good instinct to assume that, hey, that's probably, it's probably. Uh, no, happening. I've never seen a non equal, I guess, is the thing. Like mm-hmm. when you show me, like for every. So I've seen pictures of militia members on the right with guns in the street, and I've seen pictures of militia member on the left with yep. guns in the street. I've seen really dumb tweets from people on the right. I've seen really dumb tweets from people on the left. I've seen smart, nuanced arguments from people on the right. I've seen mm-hmm. smart. So when I say that they're equal, in my experience, having tried to dive into this, I haven't found something particularly good or particularly bad that doesn't have a mirror. Mm-hmm. And everything I see is just in my, from my eyes and brain, the same on both sides, just starting with different values or a different understanding of reality. Yeah, if that makes sense. sense. I haven't seen one be more evil, if that makes sense. Yeah, I understand. And then and whoever you point to in such a large group of people, it's like, well, look at Antifa or look at QAnon. That's or whatever. all I'm saying. Is you, when, if you say look at, so far I have been able to go, well, look at. Yeah. For every, so. and But of course, what are the size of these organizations? I, I, I think that it's, it's a fair criticism to say to draw a false equivalency and say that everything is a perfect mirror is is a bit lazy, but I do think it's a good starting point. Mm-hmm. The instinct to look for the reflection, I think, is is a good starting point. Even though you might decide, oh wow, it's not, but just just try to find it. Um, so, I have a question because I actually don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this about skin in the game in politics. Mm. Gavin Newsom. I was just going to bring this up. Gavin Newsom, my man. Oh yeah. Uh, the one guy that could make me political. Our, our favorite guy. <laughs> and by I, I feel like I'm, we, I try on these podcasts to be philosophical, and that's how I feel. But uh, I have a personal vendetta because he shut down the parks in California early. Yeah. He's the governor of California. <laughs> He's the governor of California. And he was photographed in Napa Valley at a dinner with 10 or 12 people, mostly inside with like a sliding door. At one mm-hmm. point, the report was that the door slid. None of them were wearing masks. And he was there for a 50th birthday party of a lobbyist colleague. Uh, I have a question about skin in the game because... Sorry, explain why that pisses you off. Well, Gavin Newsom is making rules for everyone else about who is essential and who is not essential. He's essential. Uh, where you can hang out, where you cannot. Well, actually, that county wasn't in lockdown, so that was te- you know, that was technically legal. And when you're allowed to go outside, when you're not. You're not in California. There's a curfew from 10 a.m. 10 At p.m. least in L.A. In L.A., from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. By the way, I can guess when Gavin Newsom sleeps. <laughs> it's from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Yeah. You know, like, so he's got, 
very little, he's got some, but for the rules that he has made, he has found a way to circumvent them affecting his own life. So he, for instance, is still receiving a salary and is not counting on a $1,200 check from the federal government. I wonder, and I actually don't have the answer. Like, if you're a politician and you're going to war, should you have to send a son? Like, if you're a politician and you're shutting down the economy, should you have to do without your salary? Uh, I don't know if that makes for better decision making or more emotional decision making. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you've heard about the putting the nuclear button inside of someone. Yeah. Right? Yes. So for people who haven't heard this, there was a, I think it was a philosophy PhD, but mm -hmm. somehow he was associated with the nuclear arms program. And they were talking about how do you prevent unnecessary nuclear war? Because there's a huge cost. You fire a nuke, Russia fires a nuke, yeah. end of the world. And one suggestion was the put the button inside of someone's heart. Just find a volunteer who's willing to be a patriot. And same mm -hmm. way soldiers will die for their country. This person is willing to die for their country and give the president a big knife. <laughs> and if he thinks that it is okay to kill 100 million people, then he should be okay killing 100 million and one, given that the person has volunteered and said, I'll die to protect my country. Just I'm, I'm a Marine. Yeah. You know, do it. Let's, let's get the Get some blood on your hands. Yeah. And the pushback wasn't that it wasn't philosophically sound it was this could prevent a president from ever launching <laughs> they were like this is horrible no one would ever do it and it's like pause mm -hmm. if you aren't willing to kill one guy with a knife and your bare hands should you be willing to kill 100 million people with the press of a button mm -hmm. you're answering the exact point and that ultimately got shut down because they were just saying this will be this is like us having no nukes no one would be willing to do this well the what I will say is that in that defense is you're not living in a world where everyone has their nuclear button inside of another person. So this is the question is uh, when I, th I think skin in the game, it's an idea. Well, I'm sure. Sorry, what I was saying him. is you had to put your son. No, like no one would no send their son to war. war. No one would go to war if their son had to serve on the front and, lines. And would that be a good thing? Like, would it, let's say we chose not to go to World War II because FDR didn't want to send his son over to Germany. Would that have been a good thing? I don't know. I think with almost every other war in the 20th century, the answer is probably would have been, maybe there's a handful of them, but probably would have been good to, to sure, not. end up staying out of Vietnam, maybe mm -hmm. end up staying out of Yeah, Iraq. or any, any skirmish above a certain size. So when it's like 23 people that are going in to do something, it doesn't have to be part, but above a certain size. Uh, I also do think you'd have presidents that would send their sons. Uh, absolutely. I think, you, I think you would have presidents that would go, there's someone who would go, we got to stop the Nazis and my son will be there mm -hmm. with a gun. Yep. And I, I sanction this war. Yeah. And you will see my son on the front lines. And don't run for the presidency unless you're willing to do that. But the bigger question, which is I do think skin in the game is generally a really effective tool sure. for uh, limiting extreme decision making, especially at decision making that has negative outcomes for others and none for yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was just interesting, this Gavin Newsom thing, because he's he's been very vocal about you're killing people when you do X, well, Y, and Z. Been, and the reason it's interesting with him is because he's been particularly pro-lockdown, pro-shutting down businesses, mm -hmm. pro-putting the virus first. It's mm -hmm. not like this is the governor of Florida. No. Governor of Florida is allowed to go eat to dinner. He's got nightclubs <laughs> open. He's got 100 people partying at live, getting bottle service, shoulder to shoulder, spitting mm -hmm. on each other. You know what I mean? Like, So you can be against that policy. But you can't really be mad at him for going to dinner. The reason that it's particularly bad with Newsom is because Newsom would tell you people shouldn't do this. He would go on camera and tell you people shouldn't he, do this. He has gone on camera now. And then technically he didn't break the law because he was he has the luxury to go to Napa Valley to hang out with a bunch of people. But it's just 
I don't get the sense that he's particularly fearful of contracting coronavirus. Yeah. You know, like I didn't see him uh, putting his mask on and in between, in between or like just he you could imagine a virus that was so deadly that when he showed up there, he saw he was like, oh, my gosh, there are 10 people. He's like, I'm not going in there. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, my social graces are going to overwhelm my self-preservation instinct. Are you insane? I'm going home yeah. because not because I care about my job, because I care about my life. So how serious does he think it is? <laughs> this is partially my question when I see that sort of behavior. Serious enough that people should not go out at nighttime. Serious enough that you can't go to work, but he can. And it, and I, there's just so many cases of him not having his own skin in the game. Sure. This is exactly the point <clears throat> we were saying where everyone thinks that the people who have more money than them should pay more in taxes, mm-hmm. which is like, if you think that they should pay more in taxes to help poor people, maybe you should donate to Charity Water. It's like, okay, Newsom, if you think that people shouldn't go to restaurants to eat, don't go. Just don't go to restaurants to eat. Uh, do I would on a Zoom call, dude. You want to you be uh, talking to your lobbyists, thanking them for their donation? Go Send them a Postmate, get on mm-hmm. Zoom, and eat across the computer, if that's what you would tell me to do for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think the big one that I'd like uh, is just stop drawing a salary and only take federal disbursements of the stimulus check. You know, like only take PPP or federal disbursements of the stimulus check, but you you are not allowed to draw a salary like so many people like pretend that you owned an escape room yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that's what you get. And I think you would see different decision making. Yeah, we we're just talking about this. I think every escape room in L.A. will probably be bankrupt by the time this is all said and done. Yeah. Pretend that you own Guitar Center. <laughs> you know, like pretend <laughs> yeah. pretend that that any of these. And of course, I do think I want to I want to give credit to the other side. It's important that you don't have these. Uh, emotional decisions being made by someone who is just, oh, I'm afraid for myself. And then they're making decisions that are worse for the collective. Uh, But what he seems capable of doing is protecting himself from the downsides of the decisions that he is making that affect so many Mm -hmm. in the collective. Uh, And I find that disappointing (laughs) and frustrating as someone who lives in uh, in an urban area and hasn't, I think I've left once to look at moving to Texas. <laughs> that, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. that was literally as far as I went. Um, but yeah, I might not get to see my family because state lines and all that kind of stuff. The other interesting thing, which I think is, and I totally get, is no wind instruments for Thanksgiving. It's very easy for a white dude to say. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't have a mariachi band that was going to come out. But part of the reason that they say no wind instruments, which I was like, what is that? Is because a lot of the Latin people that will celebrate will have some sort of mariachi band. Now, you can still say no wind instruments because you're blowing coronavirus everywhere at high speeds. But just another example of very easy uh, to tell other people not to do Mm -hmm. at literally no cost for you because it didn't cross your mind to have a wind instrument or to go out after 10 p.m. or to not collect your paycheck. Uh, So anyway, that's just my thoughts there. I don't know what to do about coronavirus, but I do wish that the people making decisions uh, were more affected by the rules that they set sure. for everybody. Anything yeah, else? Side, yeah, I mean, on the flip side, Trump got COVID and had like 15 doctors and yeah, seven yeah. ventilators. It's like, he's like, this is easy. I'm like, I, well, dude, of course this is easy. You got helicoptered to a hospital where 15 people waited on you hand and foot. Thanks for bringing <laughs> we, that up. We don't have the We don't have the scale to do this. If every person could be treated like you, we wouldn't have to have a lockdown. Mm-hmm. We just get them, their 15 surgeons and their helicopter to the hospital and their ventilator, mm-hmm. and it would be a non-issue. But you got special treatment. So. I agree. I think, you know, and this is, I'm glad you flipped it because I didn't want to just make it about one side of the political aisle. What a move it would have been 
uh, for my confidence in him and everybody's to go, I am going to take the average level of care that people get, which means I will not be riding in a helicopter. Yep. I will not be going to Walter Reed Medical Center. I will not be doing any of this. Public hospital, and if I'll I die, line. if I die, then Mike Pence will be president and maybe he'll make a different decision. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. maybe he'll treat this a little bit differently. Uh, but yeah, just the ability to inoculate yourself from the the downstream negative effects of your decisions yeah, that you're I making for careless, other people i was careless with my events or whatever got well oh, i shook it right off COVID. yeah he's like this is nothing guys this is nothing it's like no one can do this only billionaires and presidents can do this treatment that you yeah. signed up for like the rest of us have to do something else and i'm not saying it's serious or it's not serious but he has no idea if it's serious because he had a hundred times more treatment than the average person. I think I like that as a general rule. If anybody can think of of why that shouldn't be the case. Now, obviously, you'd like your president to live for continuity. But just generally speaking, in terms of a decision-making process, to have skin in the game, to suffer the negative consequences of the decisions that you make for so many other people. You don't have to be president, by the way. This is only if you're a publicly elected official, mm -hmm. right? If you want access to the best health care in the world, you're still entitled to cast your vote whichever way you want, as long and as you're a private you're citizen. CEO, too. Maybe if you're CEO and you say mm -hmm. factory workers have to to go work in a factory they can wear masks but they have to be shoulder to shoulder mm -hmm. put on the same mask that they're wearing go hang go out walk around the factory yeah, yeah. go hang go out once a week you'd like you think it's safe for them? just a little you. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah like you're not a factory worker you're not actually doing the job but go walk show around up. for an hour <laughs> once a week like just be in their air wearing the same mask as them and yeah. if you don't feel comfortable don't tell them they have to do it no it's a good question for us as well in our business and i think all of the stuff that we talk about hopefully ref we, we reflect back on ourselves um, is there an area where we could do that differently? Justin, do you come up with anything? We make you edit all the podcasts and we don't edit any of them ourselves. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you guys were talking about Trump and his special treatment, um, and going to like an average facility. I was thinking about Obama going to Flint and drinking the water. Mm. Did he do that? Yep. He went to Flint, he drank the water and the people of Flint who had been suffering from, you know, the water crisis, they didn't trust him. So um, it's a, you know, super pro Obama area. He goes in, they think they're going to, you know, find some kind of salvation from the Obama administration. And what he does is he gets on the podium and he he says, look, I have this glass of tap water. And then he just drinks it and then leaves. Mm. And so because he was trying to say it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. To say that um, it was safe, like because I'm the president, I'm drinking your water. It's safe. And they didn't believe it. Yeah. So they didn't believe it. And that's the reason why. um it was predicted that Michigan was going to swing Republican. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Very interesting. I didn't know that story. But obviously what that is is um, it's an attempt at skin in the game without like, okay, drink it every day. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, like, like, like if it's so good, uh, we'll send you some water f for you and your daughters, you know, and you guys can drink this for 30 days. So there is there's a way to make a show at skin in the game without actually having one's skin sure. in the game. It's the same thing with like, let me walk around this school filled with asbestos. Like, I'm totally fine. Now, everyone spent 12 years here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not exactly the same. And But you can that's the trouble with the factory worker and the CEO analogy is perhaps it's an exposure thing. But yeah, I, I appreciate the attempt at least. <laughs>
But anything in our business that comes up from either of you, we can talk, we can noodle on it later. I mean, we don't really make people do, do anything. <laughs> We're pretty lazy, like bosses, I feel mm -hmm. like. We delegate. We say, hey, can you do this to the best of your ability? Mm -hmm. But I mean, jo Justin came to Jordan Belfort, but we said, hey, do you want to come to Jordan <laughs> yeah. Belfort? Like, you don't have to. It's totally up to you. We can get you the files if not. And he was like, yeah, I want to come. We're like, cool. Here's the address. Yeah. All right. We can think about it off air. We don't need to. It might, it's always tougher to see it in yourself. So we can we can ask that question later. We make, we make each other do stuff we don't want to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we take turns doing the stuff yeah. that we don't want to do. Uh, so, gotta, oh no, go ahead. Oh, do you want to go? Well, mine's, my, go ahead, you go first. Mine's not about current events. I was messaged, now there's mine. I was messaged by a guy uh, because of the OnlyFans video. And it was very easy when I was going through, and I think in the comments, if I look at the comments, I, I actually had some empathy while I was doing the video, but the comments are, oh, this is pathetic, these simps, this is awful, it's awful. And he wrote a short, short story about how there was this girl on OnlyFans and she made him feel really special and he this and he gave her all of his money and then he had a hard time and he hit her up. He said, I can't pay you, but will you listen? And she told him, just get the fuck out of here. I'm the, I don't need you, you lazy bum. Mm. And it broke him and it was really sad. Mm. <laughs> just really sad. Uh, driving home that OnlyFans can exist. I'm not saying that it shouldn't, but this problem of loneliness mm. that is that is being addressed at its most surface level with let's I'll give you some money and you will in that time give me some attention it's it's not totally different from therapy <laughs> you know like mm -hmm. as soon as the money stops the the relationship stops mm -hmm. but that that is not enough to address the problem of loneliness it's yeah. not anywhere near enough and I guess therapy has in its, you know, ideal, you can sort of chart out how much it's going to cost. There's not a lot of upsells. It's like, look, it's once a week and this is what it is. Well, you could do that with OnlyFans too. You could. You could budget. You could budget. OnlyFans has opportunity for a dump, for like sure, an sure, incredible sure. dump in the way that I don't know that therapy tends to. Um, not saying that it's, I think the same problem exists in both of them, which is you can't pay your way out of loneliness. And if you're going to therapy to not be alone, that's a problem. If you're going to therapy to work through your problems, that's a separate. Yeah, if you're going to, to understand why you yeah. struggle with loneliness more than the average person. That's a different goal of approach. Like moving forward and month later, mm -hmm. having the problem be lesser, then I think that's a very reasonable reason to go to therapy. Yes, but the, yeah, the ability to pay your way out of loneliness clearly doesn't work. Or Unless you're really rich. Really rich. But even then, I, I, he mentioned, and I believe it's true, that he had the, the nagging sense mm. the whole time that was only confirmed at the end. And I don't think anyone ever shakes that nagging sense that the people aren't just there for what they can get sure. monetarily. It was just sad. No, I think there's a, uh, we kind of talked about this, but there, there's transactional world, Postmates, massages, only fans where you can you can get every form of a relationship a friendship whatever it is but the idea is that the hardships are what makes the relationship if that makes sense like the idea that i'll be there if you're down on your luck and you'll be there if i'm down on my luck um you can't transact that you know what i'm saying yeah uh, even i think for instance i well, it's, it's uneven as well, is that there's not a ledger of, yeah, yeah. I, I picked I you up from the airport and I picked me up and now you're next. It's like, no, you might you might do all the airport pickups and I might do all the whatever. Yeah, I broke my nose and I had to go under for mm -hmm. surgery to put it back in place. And I was on 
whatever anesthetics they put you on. And I was, I was like, hey, man, I'm not allowed to drive legally. They said I can get an Uber, but that it might not go well for me because I'm going to be just high as fuck. Would you come to the airport? You've never to the at, hospital. Or sorry, to the hospital. <laughs> to the hospital. <laughs> They're going to do uh, it. And it's going to be gate B12. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of blood. But you, I'd never done that for you. Mm-hmm. You'd never been in the hospital. And well, I, I don't think you've ever even been in the hospital. But uh, it's been a while. You were like, yeah, I'll be there. You know what I mean? There wasn't this sense that like, yeah. And then when you break your nose in six months, I'll get you. It's mm-hmm. just like this is going to work out in the wash. Mm-hmm. And that's you lose that when you go to a pure I'm going to live alone, but massages will get me physical touch. Escorts yeah. will get me sex. Only fans will get me emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, and you could you could transact all the parts of a relationship in like little pockets. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you lose that sense of like, well, what you could do and technically you could buy a private escort driver who to come pick you up. But I guess what is lost is the sense that there's any sort of cushion for I care about you. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there's there's just no leeway. Like as soon as the money runs out, the affection runs out. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously not the case in a relationship. And that's what you see where people, you hear these stories of people who uh, they hit hard times in a marriage and hopefully the person doesn't leave them yeah. or they have a horrible accident and that person, like this was not planned, but because I care about you, there's just this slush fund that I, isn't even a fund. It's just- <laughs> Probably why it is so hurtful when- times do get tough and then your wife or husband leaves. Because you realize the like, transactional nature. I thought this was out of love. Yeah. And it's not. It's because I could make a lot of money or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's because mm-hmm. I was beautiful. Yeah, you get the acid attack or you get the bankruptcy and then the person leaves mm-hmm. and you go, this was just one giant OnlyFans. <laughs> and, and, but also, I think it's important to keep in mind is that it, even in personal relationships, it's not an infinite slush fund. No. It's, it's not, like if you were going to the hospital every day because you had a drug problem and and i would try to be there for a long time and try to help but there would come a time where i was like you're not kicking these drugs i can't keep picking you up off the ground and i can't keep doing this (gasps) (laughs) so it's not it's not an infinite slush fund it is just uh it's just bigger than than it's not one-to-one what you put in is what you get out it reminds me of that meme with the astronauts pointing a gun and it's like it was all OnlyFans <laughs> all along. You know yeah, yeah, every relationship is just an OnlyFans. <laughs> Always has been. Anything else you have? Yeah. What was the happiest part of your week? The happiest part of my week? Yeah. What was the happiest moment of your week? Is there something I'm forgetting that that I'm supposed to bring yep. up? I was just curious. Hmm. I was just thinking the other day. I was talking to someone about you. It was a mutual friend and what you were today? up to. And they were like, "What motivates Charlie? What makes him happy?" I said, "I don't know." I'll ask him publicly. Today is Sunday. I did MDMA a Friday ago, so that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nine days. That would be the the easy one. Uh, what was the happiest time I week? My walk. It's it's so dumb. It was literally when it's sunny outside and I take a walk and I listen to music. That's sure. it. Well, someone was. So I mean, I think that's that's a good answer. Uh, they were curious what keeps you in California instead of moving it's to my walk. Austin. It's and my dude, walk. the best part of your day is walking in the weather. The weather matters a lot more to you than somebody who. That's yeah. not the case. Yeah, it's stupid. It's it's the park that is two blocks from here and my walk in the sunshine when it's 70 degrees outside. It's probably the best part. Uh, doesn't sound stupid to me. Yeah, it's funny. I the the cost of that is high. <laughs> yeah. The, the 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 price that I bear in uh tax burden to stay in California as well as, you know, just cost they, of living. They shut the park for a long time. They didn't shut it in other states. Mm-hmm. It's it's high, but man, 
that's my park. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Similar. Surfing. Yeah. Yeah. The end of a good wave. If you're, a, if you're just looking at like the, the happiest 10 seconds. Do you realize how much tax we pay for that yeah, end yeah. of the good wave? Like that end of that good wave is five figures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's ridiculous. But I was just talking. They were like, yeah, why do you stay in California? You're talking about leaving this and that. And then I was, I was like, well, I know my reasons. I don't know Charlie's. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I actually don't know what motivates Charlie. I don't know what, what he looks forward to or what the peak of your day or week is. So I was like, oh, just ask him. Like, yeah. What are the things? What are your, what are your happiest moments? You know, sunshine, sunshine in, in the park, I would say. It's funny. Very expensive. sunshine. <laughs> cool. Anything else? Yeah, I saw a fan question that I liked. Not to not to step on job. Justin's toes, <laughs> Justin. But uh, we were talking about. I forget, but we were talking about something on the last podcast and I had a throwaway sentence that was like, it's not good to live for good stories. Um, and it was just a it was a throwaway before I got into my actual point. It was like a caveat. Mm-hmm. But someone asked, why is living for good stories a bad idea? So I was curious if you had a thought. Because it was I'm, just I'm, I assume that you do. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I think, well, my my sense is that living a life that has good stories in hindsight is great. It's totally fine. It's the idea of doing something ahead of time for the story that I think is bad, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like if you hate hiking but you're gonna do a giant hike to the top of a mountain so that you can get a photo of you in a fake meditation position for instagram i think that's a bad use of time Mm -hmm. but if you genuinely like mountain climbing and over the course of your life you happen to climb everest and so on your deathbed one of the 10 stories your grandkids has heard and likes the most is that time you climbed everest that's totally fine it's not that having stories is bad but i think the idea of doing things solely so you can talk about them afterwards that's the part yeah that i was advocating people not do yes it's what motivated you to do this was this a thing that was enjoyable for you in a world where you would never be allowed to speak about it so but but it was and yeah you have the opportunity to share it that's wonderful live for those you know tell those stories do those activities uh there was i'm often reminded of a time that I went to a jazz bar Not, and I was like, I'll get to tell people that I went to a jazz bar. And yeah. I, didn't, I didn't enjoy the jazz. I didn't like it. It wasn't for me. And and this is often the case with big events, clubs, travel. When I see people's, the way that people travel and when I've been traveling and I've seen how they are as they travel, the story and the Instagram is so divorced from the on the ground experience that it becomes obvious that the on the ground experience was not even the point. Sure, let's tell the story of our friend who went on a ski trip with his girlfriend, right? He, the whole time they're there, is posting stories on Instagram. She was, she was. Okay, he's, he's, she, here, here with my love, yeah. oh my God, so amazing. Look at this view. And it turns out in hindsight, when the guy gets back and tells us she was miserable the entire time, yeah. complaining the entire time that he's selfish for taking her away from her friends on, his, on her birthday. <laughs> she hates him. It's the worst birthday she's ever had. Yeah. But was projecting this happiness and has the story of how her boyfriend took her on this magic mm-hmm. ski weekend. Instead of just being like, I don't want to go. <laughs> you know, I'm right. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to do the story. I'm not going to post it on Instagram. I'm going to do what I want, which is less glamorous, which yeah. is get a small dinner yeah, with my try friends to get, or whatever Let's try to get your money back. <laughs> so yeah, that's all I was saying. Just saying if, if the motive is for the ability to tell other people about it, it's probably not something you should do. Mm-hmm. But if you happen to do things over the course of your life, that turn into stories. Great. That's great. Cool. But if you do something that doesn't turn into stories, it's also great. Mm-hmm. Just as great. I would argue. Yeah, that's my walks. You know, it's like, yeah, and then 
And then I took another step. Yeah. <laughs> and then I took another step. Well, yeah, we also have weird. I mean, our society just arbitrarily picks what is a story. Like I did a cage fight and it's a story and people find out and they go, oh my God, it's no cooler than surfing or playing basketball, which I've done my whole life. No you get pitted. No ever get, asked yeah. about, oh my God, wait, you played pickup basketball every day in high school? That's amazing. What yeah. a story. Okay. It was just as good. You got to learn how to talk about the waves like that. Dude, <laughs> and it's like, and I got pitted. I was in the barrel. <laughs> Then you could tell the story. There's the story. <laughs> Do we have any questions? I actually saw no questions on our Google form okay. or YouTube. So people should start asking since it's free. It's free, yeah. Um, but I do have like 19 Patreon questions. Oh, wow. Okay, so we'll do... Why don't we just answer these and then put the best right, one? Yeah. Yep. So if the podcast continues, it'll be because we selected some of the Patreon questions. But if you're not a patron... Every we still answer all the things. Yep. Uh, so if you want to see all those questions, we did an extra business podcast on there. We're going to post that spreadsheet, the ROI spreadsheet, which is a tool that we use in our business. So if you want to get all that stuff, we're adding new stuff to the patron all the time. Plus a discord. Go ahead. Click the link below. Any dollar amount gets you access to, I believe, all of that stuff. Yep. And you can if you want more, you can decide which little thing you want. Would you would like to join? So thanks, everybody. We got questions coming up now is hi. I discovered your podcast a few weeks ago. And since then, I was hooked. Nice. I think they provide a lot of value for my personal growth. I'm sure you guys know that there is a stereotype about personal development. People tend to think of fake coaches slash gurus and deluded people that blindly follow them. Though I have never followed any guru or coach I have come across that were, or some that I've come across were indeed scams. Mm -hmm. Recently, I realized that I started taking your views and making them my own without processing them. So I thought that I should be more critical, take your views rather as a perspective and evaluate my own before I identify with them. Mm -hmm. During my critical thinking, I realized that people often ask you very personal questions that have high influence on their life, and it struck me that it resembles this guru stereotype. I tried to think of arguments against that, but couldn't come up with any of the good ones. I think some people, consciously or not, may see you as a guru, especially given that you nailed charisma skills and became successful entrepreneurs. I tried to point differences between you and a typical guru, but the only thing I came up with is the fact that uh, you most often talk about things that work for you instead of directly telling people what to do. However, I do not consider this as a strong argument because it also happens that you directly advise people, for example, to start meditating, taking breath exercises or psychedelics. Mm -hmm. I think you nailed the you, you nailed it in the beginning, which is, I think, for us and for anyone who's a guru, uh, don't take them at their word just because they're someone that has had success in a certain area process it as one person's perspective and then put it through your own intellectual rigor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I, hopefully what we're doing is giving advice. Now that's true of other gurus as well, but what makes a guru a guru, weirdly enough, isn't the guru. It's how their message is received by their following. Mm. Uh, so, you know, take, take whatever guru you dislike. If their following doesn't hold them in that esteem and it interprets what they see through the world and checks on it and 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 uh, adjusts it to their own life, then, well, you've, you've just got a person who may be giving bad advice, but it's just a person giving advice. So, well, and the one caveat would be organizations that create psychological pressure, like, well, I'll get in trouble if I name them, but. Uh, <laughs> no, but every organization creates psychological pressure of one kind or another. I mean, that's what persuasion is, is it's, I understand what you're saying, but I actually think that the line between organizations that do create psychological pressure and don't doesn't exist. No, sorry, but here's what I'm saying. We're we're just online. Mm -hmm. Like I can't threaten to have your family disown you if you disagree with me. Mm -hmm. If you don't follow my advice, I cannot make your wife leave you. I cannot kick you out of your home 
So it depends if guru means online guru or if guru is specifically reserved for the leader of someone, the leader that can dehome you or get you disowned from your family. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think it's interesting to call us gurus and then also call the, let's say, the head of your religion, local religion who can get you thrown out of the community. Mm-hmm. Like these, these are different types of gurus. You know what I'm saying? I understand. But I also think that there are people that are on the internet that use psychological and we all do we all use psychological tactics to get people to see our perspective and there are varying degrees of useful and manipulative now what you're saying is can i yank a lever that that takes someone away from you or impacts your finances to listen to me whereas Mm -hmm. there's there are people who it's like if you don't listen to me i'll just literally get you evicted from our community Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying yep well i suppose what could happen is our discord could become a community and there could be someone who disagrees. You know, all of this is possible mm. with us, is what I would say. And ultimately, the goal, the goal. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! the The only thing is is exactly this. It's how the people who are asking us this personal advice take it. Mm. I try to give good advice, and quite frankly, they can ask their mom, their dad, their brother, and their sister. It doesn't make any of them a guru. The problem comes when you go, "Dad said it. It's true." Close my eyes and just execute on the plan. Don't treat me like that. Don't treat your dad like that. Don't treat anyone like that. But it's, it has worked for me to try your best to assess how someone's own life strategy has worked out and weigh their advice accordingly. And measure results. So mm-hmm. like we were we were studying uh, the E-Myth. It's a business book. It's about systematizing. Mm-hmm. That guy was a systematizing guru. We took it. We implemented it in our business. It worked in some areas. It didn't in others. And then we stopped doing it in the areas it didn't work now we're reading this book called reinventing organizations and we're trying to follow its advice but we will measure if that is Mm -hmm. successful in our life so even with charisma let's say the thing that we're the most established at take our charisma advice put it into your own life see if you get better results and if at the end of the day after consistently trying it it's not helping you then we're the wrong charisma instructors for you you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so like, yeah, that's what I would say with in terms of any advice we give or, or anything. It's process it through your own skepticism, but then also just see if it is making your life better or not. Mm-hmm. And reality is the ultimate guru, right? Reality is the one that gets the final say of how things work out mm-hmm. or don't or what was good and bad and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, and, and in terms of these very personal things, my hope is that these are not people that, and I don't think this would ever be the case, that have never taken any of my advice before and are coming in for this one really critical, do I quit my job? My hope is that I've, with them, built up a track record of here's a piece of advice, it was followed, it worked out well. Here's another piece of advice, it was followed, it worked out well. So by the time that they get to those highly personal questions where it's like it's this moment of quitting your job or not, that I they are not blindly following a stranger because he's on the internet they're taking someone who has a track record of having given them useful advice and if they're not doing that (laughs) that would be disturbing to me Mm -hmm. as well Uh, but i don't think there's hopefully too many of that occurring that would be it'll be crazy for them to pick me and not the next dude on the internet so yeah Next is for more for over more than a year. I've been a fan of the channel and I joined CU about three months ago. Not the best timing. I know (laughs) my previous friendships are much better now and I've met a lot of new people recently. Given the current state of the world, I'm pretty happy with the results. However, I haven't had as much success with the opposite gender. 
due to COVID, I've only met new people through mutual friends. And mm. sometimes I would meet a girl that I like, but it doesn't feel right for me to try and flirt with someone if I'm new to the, if I'm the new guy in an already established group of friends. Mm. Due to this, I friend zoned myself twice in the last two months. One solution I thought about is to start using Tinder, but it feels like cheating since I probably wouldn't learn how to solve my problem. I'll just be avoiding it. So my question is, when I meet someone I like through a friend or in a big group, what do I do? Do I just say what I think? Do I wait? Or do I ask her to talk in private when I just met her? It seems that no matter what I do, every option feels either too violent and in your face or too indirect. Mm. What are your thoughts? So I'm going to address the, the the little one first, and then we'll come back to the big question, which is, uh, I understand your feeling about Tinder. I felt that same way. I was like, this is fake, but it's the future in the sense that uh, that'd be like, you know, these chat rooms are fake or this this online community is fake or this YouTube thing is fake. It, it, stuff is moving online. And I think that more and more people will be filtering through online profiles. There's going to mm -hmm. be AIs that go through and match you appropriately. So it is not cheating. It is actually what I think dating will increasingly look like no, in, yeah. in the future. I think dating apps are great. I wouldn't recommend Tinder. I liked Hinge and The League were my favorites, mm -hmm. uh, then Bumble, then Tinder. But yeah, the idea that dating apps are bad, I think. Or fake. Here, in, I'll, yeah. I'll say one. We, when we moved to Brazil, someone made this accusation to us, actually. Not to us, but to our friend. Uh, we were all moving to Brazil together, and he said, one of the reasons we're moving is because there's so many beautiful women, and we were not shy about that. And he said, you guys are just taking the easy way out mm -hmm. instead of, staying in New York City and just, you know, figuring out how to meet a bunch of beautiful women here. You're just going to go to some place where everybody's friendly and beautiful. That's cheating. I was like, what? Taking control of my life to live where I want to live and choosing a place that's full of beautiful, friendly women is cheating? <laughs> like, this seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. And, you know, Brazil has its flaws. I'm not saying it's a utopia, but I would say it's a similar sense of like, Shouldn't I get really good at flirting with the one pretty girl in my friend group rather than expanding to the infinite amount of people on dating apps? Yeah, it's I like, would say no. <laughs> Maybe you should constantly have to wear like a fat suit or like acid attack your face or, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. or like like because it's cheating to have the level of attractiveness that Dude, you I currently had, enjoy. I had six weeks where I couldn't talk. Yeah. The fact that you use words is easy mode. It's <laughs> really hard to talk to women without my voice. I was typing into a phone. Yeah. Um. So I'd say, yeah, take if you. To the extent that you think you can meet people you like and the goal is to meet people you like, date them and be happy, I support dating apps. Yes. And the one thing I would say is like, don't take this to mean that. No, go take all your money and spend it on people because that that I would say is, okay, now you're cheating. <laughs> like this isn't this isn't sustainable. This isn't going to work. Sure. You don't want to do that. Okay, so, separate question. Big question. Friend group. Friend group. Flirting in a new friend group. It's been a while. My friends don't bring... Uh, don't bring single young women <laughs> around. Not to the charisma masters. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What, when was the last time I was saw someone in a friend group who, who was doing well? Gosh, I think he just made, I mean, I can think of one friend. He dated multiple of his friends, girlfriend's friends. Mm -hmm. And he just made it clear that he was someone who liked to date. He, would, he wouldn't yes. go in your face and hit on you hard. Or anything like that. I think, it this is is, I think this is the happy medium. But he he was just like, yeah, I'm, I like to date. I'll talk if I'm dating. I'll talk about it. If I'm looking for dates, I'll talk about it. People are saying what sucks about COVID. I'll go. Yeah, the worst part's been that you know it's made dating harder. I see all my friends. I still this, but like mm -hmm. it's hard to meet women. Um, say your truth. Speak your truth. Don't yeah. try to steal this guy's lines. But he's just 
obvious and comfortable with himself in terms of being someone who dates yep. and has sex with women. And that means that women in the friend group know he's single and interested. And so then when they're in conversation, everyone knows if there's chemistry, this could lead somewhere. That's So this is the distinction that I think you're going, should I act like a total friend who doesn't have any sexual appendages or should I declare that I'm into this person? And Ben is kind of saying there's a middle ground, which is like, I'm available. Like I'm interested and looking and open to this, which is a, a middle ground that allows for flirtation without like, I like you. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's Ben's going to make a video, another one on Craig Ferguson. We've got a couple, but the flirting that Craig does is also really good because it can be done with men as well and friend mm-hmm. groups. It's a, it's no, it's flirt. I mean, one of my points is flirt with the world. Yes. So if you, if you want to do what Craig does, uh, what he'll do is he'll flirt with everybody to some degree. Women he's not attracted to, men, women he is attracted to. And so what he's doing is just building playfulness and chemistry with everyone. And people can banter back or not to mm-hmm. the degree that they think it's fun to banter. And if he ends up bantering, doing innuendo with a guy that he's not interested in, then it's a fun conversation mm-hmm. that he moves on. If he finds himself bantering with a woman that he is interested in and she's bantering back, then things can build in that conversation without him having to say beforehand, hey, I'm single and I think you're attractive. Yeah, which isn't the case, by the way. He's married and he's on a TV show. Yeah, but, at, but <laughs> so, it, you know, at the end of what you can have is at the end of the conversation, say, hey, this was really fun. I don't know if you'd ever want to go out just the two of us and grab a drink or something, yes. but I really enjoyed talking to you. And it comes at the end of a, a naturally flirtatious conversation because he flirts with everybody. Yeah. And and by the way, at the end of that conversation, what Ben said was a rather tame thing. If you're being playful and flirtatious, and you're a con, you know, you're complimenting men on the way that they look, and you're just you're you're being just a generally fun guy. And when somebody makes an innuendo, you go, "Wait a second, are you trying to seduce me?" You know, mm-hmm. like that ask might look like, "Look, obviously you tried to pick me up for the last hour. It was fun, so maybe we should do it again sometime." Like it can be a little bit more playful sure. than that. I also don't know if you're talking about sitting in a park with somebody or if you're mm-hmm. going to house parties, but it's going to look very like if you're at a house party, you can just have sex with someone at the house party. If you're at a, <laughs> yeah. if you're at a picnic, yeah. then you're going to have a more tame. You can have sex with someone for, at the picnic. Yeah, well, that's a great point. <laughs> you can that's have. a good point. Then you're going to have sex at the picnic. So yeah, my I, uh, I would calibrate my wording of the ending of the flirting to yeah. the situation. Yes, and I think that what will help in the friend group is... Uh, bring a flirtatious vibe to the friend group independent of who is in it for mm-hmm. a while. And that's going to mean, and Ben will make the video kind of going into it, but it's going to mean misinterpreting a bit more often, purposely misinterpreting jokes to make them more fun, being less literal in the answers that you're giving when people yeah, ask being you more questions. Playful in general, being yes. someone who's attractive to everybody. Yeah. You know, having have women in the friend group be interested in you that you're not interested in. Mm-hmm. Don't just try to snipe off one person you're attracted to while being boring to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Just be the fun, playful, attractive guy. And then as women come in and out of the friend group, they'll like you to varying degrees. And then it will come much more naturally to escalate beyond friends. Mm -hmm. Cool. And oh, there was a question. I just I think it's worth saying. So you're in a group and it's like, should I ask her to to be separate at some point? And I think that the answer is it's tough to give, you know, not knowing if you're at a party or a picnic or this or that. But there's no reason not to is what I would say. Like that's not a bad thing that couldn't happen in a first interaction depending on where you are. Uh, there's like if you're in 
I don't know, if you're in a car ride somewhere, you're like, hey, why don't we go to the, <laughs> it doesn't make a ton of sense. No, but often, at, let's say it's a house party and there's no alcohol. It's just like, hey, I'm going to go grab a drink of water from the kitchen. Come, with, come me. with me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's, or yeah, inv- if you're at a picnic to like say, hey, do you want to come with me too? My, it was always Whatever. come with me. My my thing that I always ask is, I'm at come a bar. Me. I'm I'll going, I'm going here. Saying, you, I'm going to get a drink yeah. from that other bar. Do you want to come with me? Yeah. So then it goes from me and my friend group and her and her friend group to just me and her. Yep. House party. Hey, I'm going to go. You want to come with me? I'm going to go exploring. Do you want to come with me? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was one that I that is usable almost anywhere. I'm going to go exploring. Yeah. Do you want to come with me? I haven't seen the backyard. Yep. I'm going to go get a drink of water. I'm going to literally just go. And if she says no, you just go anyway. Yeah. That's it. I'm going to go explore the backyard. Do you want to come with me? No. Okay. I'll stay. It's like, no, no. Just no, go, look, just at the just go look at the backyard. Five minutes and then circle back. Cool. That's it. Dope. Thanks, everybody. Hope you enjoyed. See you. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you soon. Yeah, yeah. This is Black Friday. (laughs) See you in a week. Yeah, peace. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.